only thing we have to fear is fear itself. The National Weather Service has issued a severe thunderstorm warning. Welcome. To the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast, where prepping doesn't have to be complicated or expensive. Coming to you from a well-defended off-grid compound high in the mountains. Coming to you from his Florida room in Richmond, Virginia. Neither off-grid nor well-defended, unless you count as chickens and cats, here is your host, Keith. Everybody, this is Keith, and welcome back to the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast, Episode 50. Today is July 11th, 2023. I hope everybody had a good July 4th, celebrating Independence Day. Uh, It was very, very warm here in Central Virginia. Took in a couple uh, Richmond Flying Squirrels baseball games, and otherwise uh, stayed here at the house taking care of the chickens. It's been a while since I had a chance to post a podcast. Chickens and work have been keeping me probably equally as busy. So here's the deal on the chickens. Sometimes I think if I didn't have a chicken that was sick or had some crazy disease, it, it wouldn't be fun anymore. Like I've said before, the first two and a half years I had these chickens, not not an issue. No no uh, runny noses or runny beaks, no eye infections. Nobody got taken away by a hawk or an eagle. And then in the last, what, six, eight months, we got that rolliotosis-cosis thing. That's a parasitic uh, infection of the intestines. And, we, you know, of course, we lost Mary Poopins. Lefty's had it a couple times. Hermione had it a few weeks ago. Now, Lefty's not acting herself. And then Ripley. So probably a month ago, I noticed just like not even a growth on, on between Ripley's toes, claws, and her, the webbing of her feet. And I'm like, oh, that's just a growth, skin. Well, it started looking a little gross. So then I went to YouTube and Googled common chicken foot ailments and all this sort of thing. And bumblefoot, really, bumblefoot is apparently a thing that's fairly common with chickens. So I looked up a few photos. I then looked at the top of her foot and then the bottom of her foot and knew exactly that's what I had was a case of bumblefoot. Now it appears that I've caught it very, very early in the bumblefoot stage. I'm over like stage two bumblefoot. I have no idea. And some of the photos and some of the videos, it can get pretty nasty. So it's a staph infection. So I'm like, okay, staph infection uh, contagious. I assume that can be transmitted to humans. Having a staph infection as a, as a human is not good. I can imagine having it as a chicken. It probably, <laughs> probably not as, not as good. So looking on YouTube and the treatments, you know, of course, all the YouTube videos are watch this video before you touch your chicken. The best way to treat bumblefoot, the non-invasive, like we did surgery, don't pay the vet $500. And I'm thinking, Oh Lord, course on youtube everybody's an expert now there are some experts out there but a lot of people on youtube think they're experts when they're really not regardless of the 10 or 12 videos i watched about taking care of bumblefoot on your own there are some serious youtube surgeons out there and you'll have to look up bumblefoot and treatment for bumblefoot but this is this is pretty invasive this is digging out the infected part sorry to gross people out and then antibiotics and this stuff called blue coat betadine, 
packing it with gauze, wrapping your chicken's foot, changing the dressing. And I'm like, gee, many Christmas. I'm like, I'm calling the vet. With my luck, I'm the guy that would like, that would get the chicken all ready to go and would start to take the tweezers. And then the chicken would have a heart attack. I'd end up puncturing the vital organ and it just would just would be an absolute mess. So I called on, I think it was the afternoon of July 3rd. I called my vet over there at Patterson Avenue uh, Vet Hospital, Patterson Avenue, uh, west of Richmond. Fantastic folks, by the way. And left a message saying, hey, you know, I know you're closed. It's Monday the 3rd. You'll probably be closed tomorrow on the 4th to, uh, you know, celebrate Independence Day. Here's what I've got. And I'm like, I understand, you know, you're not going to be able to diagnose things, you know, over the phone. I'm going to have to come in for a visit. But it's something I definitely want you all to take care of because I'm not a YouTube chicken surgeon like a lot of other people that I that I saw on YouTube. So they called me back. She texted me back like at 6.30 in the morning on the 5th. I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys, are, I, I would like, oh, I'm not going to hear from these people till like Thursday. Wednesday morning, I get this text message. Hey, Keith, this is Linda at the Patterson Evans event. We got the, the message. Hey, can you come in like right now? Like first appointment. Well, I couldn't because I, you know, I had work and a, and a bunch of other things going on. And so anyway, we got an appointment for later that afternoon. She asked for a couple photos. So I sent the photos and I'm like, I understand you can't diagnose, you know, over the phone, but this is what I think I have. And she's like, yep, the doc definitely wants to see you. Brought her in, uh, talked a few minutes. This doc is great. He'll just sit there and talk about all sorts of things and knows his animals and all sorts of things. So we talked for a few minutes. And he's like, sure enough, Bumblefoot. And I'm thinking, oh boy, he's going to like do surgery right here. Like all the people on YouTube and you know, uh, what am I going to do? How do I, you know, I got to go get all these instructions and I don't have any of the, the betadine and the gauze. And anyway, he's like, uh, I'm going to treat it with an antifungal. He goes, and, and they do a lot. They mix up a lot of their prescriptions right there. He says, it goes, it could be a topical or oral or a liquid. He goes, I've had success both ways. If you do it as a topical, you won't have to isolate the chicken's eggs. If you do it orally with a, you know, a, a dropper or a syringe, you'll have to isolate her or just toss all the eggs for whatever, 10 days, two weeks, whatever it happens to be. He said, so let's go ahead and do the topical. And he goes, I'll be right back. And I'm thinking, he's not going to do surgery. So the internet surgeons on YouTube may not have all the answers. Comes back, you know, he had mortal and petzl or pestle or whatever mixed up to puts it in a puts it in a prescription bottle writes the instructions and i'm to put like one sixteenth of a teaspoon of this powdered antifungal into the betadine foot bath and i'm like this is great how in the heck do i measure one sixteenth of a teaspoon anyway i i was able to solve that so i did the betadine soak uh, with the, with the medication and kept a close eye on her. She's no longer favoring her foot. I do two betadines a day. So we're looking at, gosh, probably eight or 10 betadine baths with the medication. And it's really doing a good job. The, uh, there was actually two of the um, sores or in infected parts of her foot, uh, one in the very middle of the pad. And the other one was kind of off to the side that actually kind of poked up. And that was the growth, the top of the growth that I saw. Anyway, it's doing fantastic, and for the most part, the middle one is a, is shrunk probably about seventy five percent. The one that's kind of in the uh, under the webbing under the pad, there's you know some overlapping skin. It's kind of difficult to, to to articulate, but that one's kind of under a flap of skin that's being a little stubborn. But 
the betadine and the medication have shrunk at probably 25, 30% maybe, but doing much better. She's very, very active. The past couple of days, the top of her comb has been white, which means I think that means either dehydration or uh, the, the chicken's not feeling well. And again, I'm, I'm not a financial advisor, nor am I a vet. This is just stuff I picked up on the internet. So there, there's that disclaimer. So she's doing much better. Now, Lefty is under the weather, but she's eating very, very lethargic. But then again, it's been really hot, but much more lethargic than the other chickens, keeping an eye on her and her poop, making sure that she's eating. Uh, she's out free ranging. When I'm in the yard, uh, she'll stay beside me while the other ones just run off. Uh, Lefty will stay with me while I'm doing yard work and Mr. Rogers will follow along. And she's been doing well. So I, I, I think she's on the the, uh, the downhill side of, of whatever was making her sick. So she hopefully she'll be doing a lot better. So Miss uh, Ripley, Miss Bumblefoot is on the men's and I'll, I'll update you all in about a week on that. Okay. Another situation that I ran into and it kind of, uh, I made the mistake. That's how I realized uh, what I was doing wrong was when we talk about your pantry and rotating your food. It's called FIFO first in first out. So if you buy a can of tuna and the expiration is January 1, 2024, that sits right there in the front. Three or four months later, you go to another store, the same store, they've rotated, rotated the tuna. And now, you know, this one is going to expire uh, January 1, 2025. Okay, so that one's going to go in the back. And so you basically rotate your food, however, to the left or to the right towards you. I have it kind of facing me. And what I made the mistake was, I'm like, peanut butter. I'm like, I am out of my regular peanut butter that sits in the kitchen. So I'm like, I have so much peanut butter in the pantry. Go in the pantry, grab one off the top shelf that's facing me. And I'm like, first in, first out. This is what we got. Set it down on the kitchen counter. And there was about an inch and a half of oil at the top of the peanut butter. And I'm thinking, why? I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? Look at the expiration date. It was probably a month, month and a half expired, which caused me to go back to the can pantry and pull another container, another can of peanut butter down, jar of peanut butter. And sure enough, same expiration. So I mixed it and mixed it and mixed it and, it, and it's fine. It took me forever to get the oil mixed back into the peanut butter. But then that caused me to think, let me go back to my, my spreadsheet and let me check some of these expiration dates just to make sure that I didn't get something that it was expiring, you know, six, eight, 10, 12 months down the road, but uh, everything looks good. I don't have anything even close coming to expiration. Um, a few other, some pickles, uh, olives, and some three bean salad or four bean salad, something like that. I need to check on that just, just to make sure. But yeah, it's, so that's why it's important to uh, first in, first out, rotate FIFO, whatever you want to call it. Just know what you have and then just, you know, have a way of tracking your expiration date so you don't go in there one day and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to throw out how many cans of corn or how many cans of tuna or whatever, you know, whatever happens to be, you know, right, right past the expiration date. And again, you always see this use by date, um, sell by date. And I forget the numbers. And I think I talked about this on a previous podcast. There's a, if it's like January 1, 2025, like for a, a can, canned uh, carrots or something, some folks are saying that's just a guideline. It can go a year, another two years. You'll see some videos. I opened this can of peas from 1972 and it tastes perfect. Well, there's something to say for that because if it's in there and there's no oxygen, there's no air, it's not going to, 
I, I guess, spoil. And if it's, you know, if it's, if it's canned correctly, especially canned vegetables, I think the water's um, heated up and it's the way it's canned and it's, you know, it's going to stay fresh for a long time. But anyway, there's, there's all sorts of studies out there saying January 1, 2025, you know, just you're, you're good to eat that, you know, several, several months, several years down the road. So talk about rotating your food. I also have figured out a way that I'm going to rotate my water supply. So I have a few barrels, uh, the 55 gallon uh, blue barrels that, you know, I washed, I sanitized, and they were either brand new barrels or the distillery in downtown Richmond had, had sucrose. It was sugar water. And then another one, a smaller one had, it's some, it was some sort of chalk. Oh, it was a Giardelli chocolate that they were using in some sort of brandy or something they were making there. And it's, I've had a heck of a time getting the the uh, the Giardelli chocolate smell out of my out of my blue barrel, but I, I was finally able to, and I you know I'm afraid to taste it because it probably probably tastes like chocolate water. But I think I got the uh, I got the smell out of it, the odor out of it. So I'm going to start rotating those barrels every other Fourth of July weekend or every other Independence Day. So it was 2022 when those barrels were filled and it was actually July 4th weekend. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to do every other. If your water is stored correctly, and again, depending on where you get your information, every five years, every eight years, I'm going to go ahead and go every two because I have that luxury in that it's basically just tap water and um, putting some uh, some pure uh, some purifiers in there just to just to try to keep the freshness uh, as long as I can. So I'm just going to go every two years. So it's got another year left. And then, um, you know, we'll take a peek and, you know, I'll end up pumping a lot of water and, and watering my grass and garden. And, uh, and yeah, we'll just do that. So every other 4th of July is uh, the schedule that I'm going to use currently. So speaking of the garden, the garden was growing so, so slow. All of a sudden it took off. And it's so funny, I will go ahead and water it every evening or maybe a little bit in the morning. And I give it plenty of water, so I think. But there's nothing like a soaking rain several hours, most of the day. The next day, the garden just went crazy. I'm like, you've got to be kidding. These aren't the same peppers that I saw, you know, 24 hours ago or 36 hours ago, but it's just something about a nice, slow soaking rain, water falling from the sky, not filled with chloride and fluoride and all the other stuff that's coming through the, uh, you know, the city water supply. But We've had plenty of rain here in the last several weeks. We, you know, the backyard's been flooded. That the chicken coops and the chicken run were flooded. But uh, it's um, it, it's very very warm today. It was ninety two tomorrow ninety seven. At least the humidity was not that bad today. So a couple tomatoes in the garden. I pulled a cucumber out a few days ago, and it was absolutely fabulous. A couple green peppers, some yellow peppers. The larger tomatoes really haven't kicked in yet. They're green. Uh, and it, you know, they're not large enough. They haven't started to ripen yet. And then the Roma tomatoes, I grab a few of those every morning and there was some sort of sweet tomatoes. I can't remember the name. And if you pick those things just at the right time, it's like just throwing like sugar cubes into your mouth. I mean, they are absolutely fantastic. Cucumbers are doing well. 
some squash. They're all in zucchini. They're all starting to come along. And I, I think I'm going to go ahead and do a fall garden. I'm not exactly sure how big it's going to be, but I'm definitely, definitely going to look into that. Speaking of cucumbers, uh, a gentleman at work came into the office and we were talking about uh, he smokes brisket and he's like a Meister griller and he has a huge garden. He was showing me a couple photos of the, the, the yield in the past couple of days. Absolutely great looking veggies. And he said, do you like pickles? I said, sure. He said, do you like sweet butter and he got sweet butter out of his mouth. I'm like, I don't care what the next two or three words are. The answer is yes. So like the butter chips, the sweet butter chip pickles, either the spears or the slices, I could eat them by the truckload. They're so good. They're so good. Especially put them on sandwiches. They're even better. So he's like, he makes some spicy sweet butter chips. And I said, absolutely. So I guess he went out to his car or maybe he lives around the block. I don't know. He came back and handed me a jar sliced super thin and uh, they're ice cold coming out of the cooler, coming out of the fridge. And I ate about half of that jar on the way home and almost made myself sick. So hopefully I'm talking to him tomorrow. See if he'll give me his recipe for his pickling, pickling juice, pickling brine, the stuff that he puts in there to make cucumbers pickles. That's the recipe that I'm going to ask for tomorrow. And I'll pass that along to, to you all as well, if you like doing that. So let's talk about the price of food Uh, A lot of things are still creeping up. You know, Jody and I, my girlfriend, have gone out to dinner a few times and I look at the check. I'm like, it was $39 for for what we just ate. They charged us $2.99 for a soda and just, it's just ridiculous. So I have found myself, since the fiasco with the peanut butter, I have found myself going back to my pantry going, I'm going to make some tuna salad. I'm going to make some chicken salad. Some of that freeze-dried Spaceman ice cream sounds really good right about now. So I'm, I'm rotating things out, keeping first in, first out, and I'm also eating more from my pantry. One, just because of the, the price of, of food out there, or if I wanted to go now and buy the tuna and the mayo and the pickles and everything to make my, you know, the tuna salad or the chicken salad, but it's, it's the ingredients and it's just the convenience that look, here's a bunch of food in the pantry. Why don't you just save yourself about 45 minutes of dealing with traffic and people just, just make you some chicken salad, tuna salad, all those dozens and dozens of scrambled eggs, make you up some scrambled eggs. What do I have? I got meatloaf, biscuits and gravy, spaghetti and meatballs. Just make one of those up and save yourself the hassle of going outside. So I've done that a few times. So it's it's uh, it's convenient and I actually get to go ahead and taste some of the things that I freeze dried and I vacuum sealed and they're, and they're doing just fine. The price of silver, again, I'm not an economic advisor and I know jack squat about precious metals. Again, something I kind of stumbled upon and went to a few websites. The one particular website I go to is sdbullion.com. They are not a sponsor of this channel, nor are they giving me a bunch of precious metals to promote their website. Although if they would like to give me a lot of precious metals to promote their website, I will absolutely do that. But great website, um, no joking, great website, a great uh, user interface. You can see everything, easy to navigate. And they had a situation, was it over the weekend where you know, you have the premium. And of course, the more you buy of something, the less expensive it is. So if you call like the, like the spot, so let's say silver is $25 an ounce. There's the premium that's added on. So if you want to buy one silver round, silver is $25 an ounce. The coin shop, 
the company, SD Bullion or whatever, is going to charge you a premium. So let's say it's 28. So there's $3. So they're making at least $3, well, $3 on that from the uh, spot price of silver up to what they're going to charge. That's the $3 difference. Well, they actually had something over the weekend, the uh, Buffalo round, that's an Indian on the front and a Buffalo on the back, just a very simple uh, one ounce silver round. And I don't recall the exact price, but let's say it was $25 an ounce. It was like $26.50, regardless of how many you purchased. You could buy one at that price, $26.50, or you could buy 100 of them at $26.50. So they basically lowered the premium by, I think it was like like 40-some percent, and there's no... Uh, you know, the more you buy, the least, exp- the less expensive it is. They waived that. So I think I'm going to keep an eye on that because I think that might be the way to go next time uh, when I make a purchase. And again, I'm just dabbling in this. I really have no idea what I'm doing half the time when it comes to precious metals, but it's just a kind of peace of mind, kind of an insurance policy. Any precious metals that I might purchase are just going to be tucked away in a safe deposit box. And my son or grandkids, 30, 40, whatever, however long from now, hey, remember grandpa or great grandpa had a bunch of silver coins and check this out. To them, it's just free money. You know, and hopefully you know, the price of silver will, uh, will go much higher one of these days. And that one ounce silver round that I paid $25 for would now be worth 75 or 100 or 125. Anyway, it's it's a win-win for them because you know they're not going to they're not going to physically lose money either way. We've got that going on the uh, Prepper Camp, Prepper Camp 23 in Saluda, North Carolina, September 22nd, 23rd and 24th is going on. Um, I'm actually going to attend that. There, you can go to their website, yeah, wpreppercamp.com. Like I said, this one's in Saluda, North Carolina, kind of a drive for us from Central Virginia, but you know, it's a decent drive and uh, got a room out there. Going to try to get there Friday, maybe late morning, mid-afternoon, try to take advantage of as many of the classes as we can. There's a whole list of classes, but a lot of interesting classes, a lot of interesting things going on there. And I assume there'll be all sorts of vendors and uh, people, you know, selling their wares. You know, hey, check this out. This is really cool. Preserve your food with this. Our freeze dryer is better than their freeze dryer. We like this vacuum sealer over the next guys. And plus, it'll get a chance to maybe, you know, run into a few people, do a little little networking, share a few ideas. Because for the most part, most people that are going to be there, if not all people, homesteaders, preppers. So there's, you know, there's a certain commonality, I guess, a common interest there since, you know, since these folks are there, certainly varying degrees of prepping opinions. Uh, People could, you know, have varying opinions about almost anything from, you know, how long do you eat a can of beans after the expiration date to gardening to chickens, bumblefoot, you know, the, the whole gambit. It's I think it'd be it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting uh, to meet some people and talk to people. Again, you know, there's the you know this common ground, but like anything else, you know, your idea might be the worst idea. You might think it's the best idea, and I think only by speaking to you know like-minded folks are you able really to get a good understanding of all the different options out there. I know a little bit about a lot of things. And a lot about just a few things, just because I do it one way doesn't mean that's the right way, doesn't mean that's the only way. And I am very open-minded. I am all ears when it comes to something that I'm not really the subject matter expert in. And even if I am the subject matter expert, there's always somebody out there that does it a little bit better, 
has a little more information. And I think it would be silly for me or for anybody to think, oh, I'm the best. You know, nobody knows it, whatever the situation is, or the subject better than I. I think they're very naive to think that. And they consider themselves, or I would consider them very close-minded in that. Just So just be open to new ideas, and regardless of what it is. I mean, because that's the only real way that, I don't want to say we're going to survive, that we're going to flourish in, you know, currently and in the future, is just the free exchange of ideas. Now, we talk about the free exchange of ideas and censorship on the internet. I could go down a rabbit hole that I wouldn't come out till probably the second Tuesday of next week, but we will leave that one alone. That's not what I really want to talk about here on the podcast. Last thing, I'm going to get political. So if you want to go ahead and, and just unclick or hit the pause button or the stop button, do that now. I'll wait. Okay, they're gone. So here's the political thing. The cocaine in the White House, who cares? I personally don't care who that belongs to. 99% of the world's population has a fantastic idea of who the owner was, and that may be the truth and it may not be. I talked about several podcasts ago, only worry about what you have direct control over. I understand, oh, Keith, it's a, 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 a national security. If somebody could bring cocaine in, they could bring this in or they could bring a bomb in or whatever. I'm aware of that. It's never, we're never going to get a definitive answer from anybody about the owner of the cocaine. I doubt if some low-level staffer is going to take one for the team and say, yeah, I'm sorry, I left my eight ball of cocaine next to my iPad. I just had to, I was, oh, I was just so, we had to evacuate and I just left my cocaine on the table. Oh, oh, dummy me. None of that's going to happen. It's just going to get, you know, just a drip, drip, drip of information. Don't get distracted by that. If the person responsible come forward and they're like, that's my bad, that's my cocaine. How has my world changed? Has How has your world changed either for the you know the positive or the negative? It's nothing that I have control over. It's a political football meant as a distraction, or let's put it this way. There's a bad situation. I'm not going to put on the tinfoil hat and say, maybe there never wasn't any cocaine, but there's people out there that are suggesting that. And I just move that to the side because that's just too much to think about. If they find out who did it, it makes no difference. It it has no direct effect on me. So I'm going to worry about the things I need to worry about. I'm going to worry about the price of food, the price of gas, my preps, my garden, the chickens, worry about my relationship with my girlfriend, uh, family members. I'm not going to get distracted by the things that I have absolutely no control over because regardless of the outcome of those things, it has no direct effect upon me. All right, folks, thank you so much for stopping by and listening. Received a few emails in the last couple of weeks. Thank you folks for writing. If you want to reach out via email, practicalpreppodcast at gmail.com. And of course, I'm on the Twitter at prep underscore podcast, or you can search the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast. Again, folks, thanks again so much. This has been episode 50. And as always, be safe out there, take care of one another, and until next time. Thanks for listening to the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, help spread the word by leaving a rating and review. 